You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. I want to minister to you today a message on the safeguards or safeguards concerning your imagination. How many know that right now in the world that we live in, a lot of people's imaginations are being hijacked by the devil? And a lot of people are in fear, anxiety, and worry. And I believe that God wanted you to hear the message today so that you can reverse that. Because the imagination that God gave us is, is neither good or bad, it's neutral. It's how you use it which de- determines if it's good or a bad imagination. And we have a choice. We can use our imaginations concerning God's word and we can cause an incubation of his promises in our lives that'll bring forth results or we can incubate within our imagination our fears and anxieties and empower the enemy in our lives to defeat us. Now I want to do the, the latter. I believe that God wants us to have our, our imaginations incubate the things of the word of God, the promises of God, so that we can have great success in our prayer life and what God has for us today. And so with that in mind, I want you to turn with me over to Genesis chapter 11. And I'm going to show you a story here about the Tower of Babel. And as you look at this, you're going to actually learn the power of one's imagination. Now, when I say imagination, I'm not talking about fantasy. I'm talking about things that we can imagine concerning the word that pertain to us. Fantasy is completely different. Your imagination is very creative. It is a tool in which it is the gateway or the doorway into the human heart. What you can visually imagine in your life concerning the word opens it up into your heart and it brings forth great blessings. But look what it says here. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass that as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And they said to one another, go to, let us make brick, burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city, a tower whose top may reach unto the heavens and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth now watch this next part and the Lord came down say came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded or built depending on your translation now that's important the Lord came down to see something that was completed say it with me the Lord came down to see something that was completed all right, notice the next verse. And the Lord said, Behold, the people are one, and they, they all have one language, and this they began to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Now notice what he says. He said, Listen, this principle of their imagination will be able to create and do whatever they can imagine. And notice God doesn't just stop them. He stops them by creating all these diversities of languages so that they can't unify and imagine the same thing. That's what God thinks about imagination. It has the power to rebuild and create the futures in your life. Now look at the next verse. 
uh, go to let us go down and there confound their languages that they may not understand one another now give me verse 7 if you would I mean excuse me verse 8 I'm terribly sorry so the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth and they left off say it left off to build the city in other words if you look at some of the translations it makes it clear that the building or the tower of Babel was not completed but what I want you to understand here is this imagination is the process in which an individual begins to cultivate or conceive whatever the desire is within their hearts it's an incubation period in your imagination and it says that God came down and checked out the city and saw it complete but he didn't see it complete in the material realm he saw it complete in their imagination are you, are you hearing what I'm saying in other words they imagined the city completely done maybe they had plans done or whatever that's what God saw because later it says they stopped the building so the point that I want you to see is that this incubation period is critical before the physical reality of it is displayed in your life let me show it to you from the beginning of creation the Bible said that God created the heavens and the earth but we don't see a material earth until verse 3 where he says and light be and we don't see the the expanse of the sky and the water until the, as he goes on and begins to create the material substance that we're talking about that pertains to the earth so what does it mean when it says in the beginning he created the heavens and the earth he created them now catch this with his imagination before they became material now watch the sequence God created heaven and earth in other words God imagined what creation would be then it says verse 3 the Holy Spirit hovered over creation but creation hasn't been created yet so he's hovering over what God had imagined would be created and that's where the how do I say it where the vision begins to be birthed when the Holy Spirit hovers over the things that we imagine God's word will give us in our life and then there's that declaration of speaking forth the word that brings it into a physical manifestation but imagination is the is the process in which something is conceived something is birthed in the spirit before it becomes a material reality in your life are you listening to me so much and what's powerful is the word used for creation is only used in connection with God and, and here's what it means it means when God uses this that whatever was created was epic in other words God is telling us that our imagination can create epic results in your life where you go whoa check this out 
I was in faith. I saw this, what God had promised, and the Holy Spirit came over my petition as I envisioned it, and an incubation took place, and God's Spirit breathed on that. Then I began to act and speak on it, and it began to materialize in my life here and there. Come on, church, this is powerful. Now, you can understand why the devil wants to jack or he wants to hijack your imagination because he wants to bring to pass your fears he wants to bring to pass everything in your life that you don't want he operates through fear now why, why would God be opposed to the tower of Babel in the first place why would he some scholars believe that the people in a tower so that if God's judgment of the flood came on the earth again, it would not destroy them. But so it's actually a symbol of rebellion that, Lord, if we get together, we can outdo what you could do to us or whatever. I don't know if that's true, but I do know the Tower of Babel is man's imagination deciding to do something that is not God's will. And God said, it would happen if I didn't stop it by stopping them from imagining it. I don't know about you, there's great power in this. And Satan will use our imagination and our fears and our worries and our concerns. And we begin to fear things and imagine them, things happening in our lives. And what we do is we strengthen the, the works of the devil instead of weaken them through faith in his word. And that's really what I wanted to minister to you. And I want to I make some powerful statements at this point. Number one, Satan cannot destroy a culture unless he can deceive the people through a deceptive lie. In other words, he can't destroy us unless we believe something that is a lie. But here's where a lot of Americans are foolish. They don't realize that there's always an element of truth in the lie for the purpose of deceiving us. In other words, you can always find in Satan's lies an element of truth. If you're going to poison a dog, you don't put poison out. You take some hamburger and put the poison inside of the hamburger. And a lot of people in America today have been eating the hamburger and there's poison inside because a little bit of truth has been said just to deceive us. And that's why there's all this contention, all this fighting among us because we're believing half truth. We're being deceived in the culture that we're in today. And what is it doing? It is destroying our culture. And it's got nothing to do with the left or the right. It has to, everything to do with the devil. The devil can't stand anyone that is a human being because they were made in the image of God and that's something he never had as an angel. When he fell, he never had that. He was always jealous of the fact that when God created man, he made him in his image and then gave man dominion over his creation. Satan could not stand that. And this whole battle between death and life was brought on by the very fact that God created us to have dominion over his creation and he created us in his image. Come on, give God praise, everybody. So I, I wanted to start with that because 
here's one of the things that you'll always be able to detect the difference between a lie and truth whatever lies he gets you to believe in that you think is truth will always have an element of fear in them there'll always be an element of fear in other words he won't just lie to you there'll be a lie that will promote fear inside of you because here's what he wants he wants you to react instead of respond because if you react you are going to promote the works of the flesh but if you respond you'll produce the fruit of the spirit he wants us to react out of anger out of unforgiveness out of hostility because he knows with that reaction will produce more death because it's his goal is to succeed in power here at your expense by destroying you and that's what's going on in America today there's all these half truths that people are believing and think about it concerning the virus every week they come up with something new one week they say the virus uh, it doesn't you can't wearing a mask doesn't make a difference next week they say it does I remember when we first started they said that the virus could be on your packages so you get your groceries home you wipe them off now they're saying that doesn't matter at all it's all the devil and he's trying to destroy us he's trying to get us to dream and use our imagination with our fears and we shouldn't be afraid of anything because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world we shouldn't be afraid we should be fearless and strong and and mighty and and stand in faith and and not be afraid of our own shadow and and cower down he wants us to be strong in this time God does he doesn't want us to let our imagination be hijacked hijacked he doesn't want your kids dreaming about how they have no future how their life is never going to amount to anything that's not biblical oh but pastor we're living in the last of the last days the last of the last days will be some of the best days you've ever lived in you say what are you talking about the bible doesn't talk about things getting terrible and horrible right before jesus comes back it says just the opposite it says before Jesus comes people won't know he's coming because it's going to be as the days of Noah during the days of Noah there wasn't any great natural disasters people were eating and drinking and giving in marriage Paul said in 1 Thessalonians he made it even clear he said when Jesus comes back people are going to be saying peace and safety are they saying that right now well that's when Jesus is going to come back because no one's going to be expecting him everybody expects Jesus to come back when all hell breaks loose but, he won't, but we won't be expecting him when your bills are being paid and wealth is coming into the church and God's blessing our country and God's spirit is being poured out that's when no one's going to expect Jesus to come back and that's exactly when he's coming back so right now what I want to do is use our faith and bring in the power and the reign of Christ in the world that we live in right now instead of cowering down to self-made gods like governors in America telling everybody what they think they should do I'm not bowing down to a governor I'm not bowing down to a president I'm not bowing down to anybody but Jesus Christ he's my Lord hallelujah amen he is our Lord 
He tells us to worship together. He tells us to serve together. He tells us to do the work of the ministry together. He doesn't tell us to isolate and live, as a, live like we're afraid. I'm not afraid of death. Jesus Christ has set me free from death. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not saying that we'd be reckless or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is we don't need to live every day afraid of our own shadows. Fear is not of God. Faith will cause God's word to work in our life in a powerful way. Now, listen, I'm going to give you a key to this. When Joyce and I started ministry for years, we didn't have hardly anything. I mean, we were really broke. Believe God every time I started the car. I mean, it was that bad. But something I learned back then I said Lord I need you to move in this area I don't see you moving in this area in the way you should something's wrong and the Lord taught me way back then uh, a wonderful truth and that was death and life is in the power of the tongue so quit talking defeat start talking victory and, and but I found it difficult because my mouth would run off diary of the mouth you know what I'm saying under pressure but here's a truth that I learned and it's a powerful truth what you see has power over what you say let me say it again what you see has power over what you say let me say it again what you see has power over what you say and and let me explain why Proverbs 18 says this without a vision without seeing something the people perish because they go without restraint In other words, vision produces self-discipline and self-discipline is necessary to bridle the tongue. And don't say, oh, James said that no one can tame the tongue and give up on it. Don't believe that. Because the first chapter he said this. He said, if you don't bridle your tongue, your religion is useless. He wouldn't have said that if our religion was going to be useless. He's just simply saying mankind does not have the ability to tame the tongue. But when you have a vision of God's word, it creates within you a discipline to watch what you say, a discipline to, to, to say the things that promote the visions and dreams in your life. Doesn't mean you'll be perfect, but I don't have to be perfect. All I have to do is be forgiven. Amen? And God's word will work. And so I wanted to get that out to you because... If you see yourself always broke, never having enough, you'll never be able to bridle your tongue in that area to produce life. If you see yourself sick and weakly and never having enough strength, never having enough, you're not going to be able to talk it away to promote life in that because you have no vision for it. If you see your marriage failing and all you do is see it not working out, is what happens it'll fail because you can't bridle your tongue in that area because you have no vision but pastor you don't understand I'm married to this antichrist <laughs> you got to get into the word of God and build a vision for your marriage and see, see him differently than he's acting right now I'm using the guy because the, listen let's face it the women are running the world amen and <laughs> amen now I lost my thought okay what did I say I'm just kidding but I want you to see that because it's so important that we see that as a church an individual that the way I see things affects the discipline I have in that area 
If I see myself as always overweight and never being able to lose weight, I won't build a bridle on my tongue and say, no, I'm not gonna eat stuff that's bad for me. I work out all the time. See, you'll defeat yourself without a vision. The Bible says that when the Spirit was poured out, it's all visionary. He said, he said, he talked about three things, prophecy, vision, and dreams. A prophecy comes from a seer. A prophecy, someone sees something. A dream, someone sees something. A, a vision, someone sees something. It's all visual. You have to see the salvation of the Lord in your life. And then that incubation period of the Holy Spirit over the dream and vision will bring it to pass. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm seeing a breakthrough in your life. I'm seeing you with that new car. I'm seeing you with that new home. I'm seeing all your bills paid. I'm seeing you have a, an inheritance to give to your children's children. I see you healthy, wealthy, and blessed. I see you with long life till you're satisfied. You know what long life means? In other words, you can stick around as long as you've got something to do. Are you going to help me this morning? You're going to be quiet. This ain't some dead church. Come on, come on, wake up here. I said life, God says, uh, Roman, uh, uh, Psalms 91, with long life I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. In other words, the length of your life can be as long as you are still working on being satisfied. If there's still more you want to do, I'll keep you around. If there's still things you want to accomplish, I'll keep you around. That's what the promise. Say amen, everybody. We need to fill our mouth up with God's word rather than let the devil hijack our imagination. Wake up in the morning, I don't know what I'm going to do. Man, I'm in trouble. I don't know how we're going to pay bills. Man, this next, you know virus thing it's gonna sink my ship for sure I'm gonna lose everything you're not gonna lose nothing because God said that he wouldn't leave you or forsake you God said that he would help you in every time and need in your life but you gotta have a vision for it without a vision it will not work now let me say something at this point that I think will help you write this down Genesis 32 7 it's a story about Jacob. Many of you know that Jacob deceived his brother out of his birthright. And his brother got so angry that he had to flee for his life. Started a new family, Jacob. He had been prospering, doing great. All of a sudden he hears about his brother coming to see him. Now brother is coming with 400 men. Now I don't know about you, if someone's coming with 400 men, they're not exactly coming to shake your hand and have a little fellowship you don't come with an army unless you plan on doing something so Jacob all of a sudden it says that he was greatly afraid and greatly distressed but what's interesting about the text is distressed means imagination in other words he was afraid and his, his imagination got carried away with him and he started to imagine his brother coming killing himself killing his family taking his wealth taking his possessions taking his children and he began to envision that and the Bible said he was greatly distressed are you envisioning that today in America 
Are you in visit at your house? Are you just waiting until everything smooths over? Because what if the devil pulls this every year? What if the devil pulls this every month? What if the devil brings out things like this all the time? You will never have life and you'll never have it abundantly. The day that you start submitting to fear and allowing the devil to handle your imagination is the day that God's power stops working in your life and the deliverance of God's power stops working and you will be hindered and you will hampered rather than flourishing in God. I, God wants you to be strong and courageous and envision what his word says. Praise God, when you go into a promised land, there's giants. When you go into a promised land, there's fortified cities. When you go into a promised land, there is the life and death situation but do not be afraid. If God is with you, who can be against you? Come on, praise God. We got the shield of faith. We got the sword of the spirit. We can prevail. But you need to approach it from that standpoint. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this. Casting all your cares upon him. How many got a few worries you want to get rid of today? pastor I try I can't I'm worrying I'm worrying I'm worrying worrying if you understood the verse to the measure it is it'd be easier to get rid of it listen to the verse casting all your cares upon him for now watch this for he cares Malay in the Greek cares for you You know what that word cares means it means to plan ahead of time for someone's need you know what that means that means that God knew you needed it before you needed it and planned the solution before you had the problem God planned the provision before you were in lack God planned the healing before you got the sin planned the breakthrough in your life before you needed the breakthrough God planned for a way out before the door door was shut God planned it already praise God so I can cast my cares upon him and say God thank you so much you do you weren't taken by surprise you knew exactly what was going to happen hallelujah and from the foundation of the world you began that day planning for my salvation planning for my breakthrough planning for my healing planning for my church help me out I can't stand it man it's easier to cast your cares upon the Lord when you realize God isn't taken by and go, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't know they were going to have a virus this year. Now, Gabriel, what should we do? No, he had it already figured out what he would do at the river, what he would do for you. He didn't leave you. He didn't forsake you. It's right there. But it takes faith. It takes faith to be worry-free. You can't be worry-free just by not worrying. You get worry-free by obtaining faith. Then you can give your worries to the Lord because you've prayed about it. You know that God is in your corner and that God will bring the blessing to pass in your life. You know, when you got up this morning and you looked in the mirror, what did you see? You saw some gray hairs, <laughs> some wrinkles, young people, maybe a zit. What did you see? What you see is what you think you are, right? That's sense knowledge sight. But the Bible gives us something different than sense knowledge sight. And this is what ignites faith. Look at this verse with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 
verse 18 look what it says but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror watch this the glory of the Lord are being transformed how are you being transformed by seeing the way you are or seeing the way Jesus is which is it being transformed in the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the Lord in other words he's saying transformation in your life is the result of looking in the word and the reflection of who Jesus is comes upon yourself I see myself in the righteousness of God I see myself in the holiness of God I see myself in the authority of Christ as he is so am I in this world that's what transforms us not the image of way you really look like now but the image of how you look because of the salvation that Jesus gave you he didn't save you to leave you the way that you are he saved you to make you a new creation he saved you to fill you with the Holy Spirit he saved you so that he could impart to you his goodness his authority his power and that's where radical epic change occurs when you start seeing yourself in the way that Jesus sees you it's powerful now let me show this to you in another verse James 1 look at this put in James 1 and I'm going to show you why people backslide okay if you get this you'll never backslide again it's that simple for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man observing his natural face there's a little bit of an injustice to this translation this Greek word is actually one Greek word natural face means literally in the Greek the face of his birth it's not talking about natural birth it's talking about spiritual birth in other words let me say it this way if anyone hears the word of God or, or uh, hear of the word and not a doer he is like a man who observes he is a born again creation in Christ in a mirror watch this go on for he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was or is in other words he forgets he's the righteousness of God he forgets that he is the holiness of God he forgets that he's been seated in heavenly places he forgets that he's the temple of God he forgets that he's a king and a priest he forgets oh, hallelujah that he's got the name of Jesus the name that is far above every principality and power he forgets it that's why he backslides alright look at the next verse but he who looks in the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work this one will be blessed in what he does most people think when you go to church the way you change is the pastor roughs you up <laughs> I felt oh I felt terrible today man I just whew, I felt so bad man I tell you what I'm going to try harder this time ah man I feel terrible oh he told me I hadn't tithed and, and God's going to make it up going to punish me for at least six months because of that man I feel terrible I'll try really hard next week it's not how we change that all it does is strengthen the sin nature inside of you 
Do you ever notice whenever you see a sign that says you can't do something, you're impelled to do it? <laughs> wet paint. <laughs> Are you sure that's wet? Because the law stirs up the sin nature in you. That's why the Bible says this. It says that the strength of sin is in the law. We're saved under grace. Which means I'm doing what I'm doing not because I have to to be righteous. I do it because I am righteous. I don't do it to be holy. I do it because I am holy. I don't do this because I want to become that. I do it because I am that. I have the revelation of who I am in Christ. Therefore, I can't live the way I lived before. It's different when Joyce and I got saved. We had all these rock and roll music record players, records. I'm kind of dating me. Records. <laughs> Eight tracks. Say amen. <laughs> we had all this ungodly music that it was filled with drugs filled with rebellion just like the music today no different filled with immorality I said baby we got to get rid of this and we had hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of carnal music no preacher said it's a law you got to get rid of your music once you get saved <laughs> there was no law that made me do it it didn't fit my character anymore it didn't fit who I was anymore. I wasn't a sinner. I wasn't lost in depravity. I didn't need to feed on that anymore. I wanted to feed on righteousness. I wanted to feed on faith. I wanted to feed on the Spirit of God. I wanted to feed on it. It's just a natural response. But if I thought I was just like the way I was before I got saved, keep it. Cleaned out the refrigerator, got rid of all the booze, got rid of all the drugs. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. And don't shout me down because you know what I'm talking about. You sit there with that holier than thou. Oh, pastor, he really hadn't. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me. Come on, we're all sinners. We all got saved. We all need Jesus. That's the point I want you to see is that, listen, God takes us where we're at and we get born again. We get a new nature. We get a new position in Christ and it doesn't feel like right to do what we did before because inside we know who we are in Christ. We're one spirit with the Lord. What used to bring enjoyment brings disgust in our life. That's how you change. You don't change if you look at yourself in the wrong light in your life. Let me show this to you in another verse. Galatians 3.11, look at this. That no one is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for, say it with me, the just shall live by faith. This is pregnant with the meaning. I'm going to make a statement here that's really powerful, but it, it's, it, I want you to get this. If you're under the water, it's impossible not to be wet. If you're under grace, it's impossible not to be holy. Because holiness doesn't come from the deeds of the law. It comes from the work of Christ. It comes from what Jesus has given to me. So whatever I'm going through, I understand there's a holiness inside of me 
because of what Jesus did and I want to work that out in my salvation I want to put on the robe of righteousness on the outside which is on the inside and when you do that you change and you transform but how you do it with vision how do you vision your life how do you look at your life how do you see your life how do you look at your life because what I'm telling you today is powerful because I, there's a verse in Habakkuk that says this it says there's coming a day when I'm going to do something that if I told you what I was going to do he said that you wouldn't believe it there's a realm of life and light that God wants to give to the church that if I told you today what it is you wouldn't believe it it's something you have to grow into in every generation there is light that God wants us to see on what he will actually do for us there was a time when a church they thought if you could get 100 people in a church you were off the chart blessed now people are believing for millions of people in a church one church light increases hallelujah so what is it in your life right now that you can't believe for what is it in your life you can't see yourself having right now I'm telling you the more you see it the more there's an incubation of it and the more it's incubated the more the reality of it begins to be displayed in your life and so you've got to see it long enough for it to be incubated for it to work you can't hatch an egg if the hen only sits on it for a few moments you hatch the egg because the hen sits on it for a period of time while the incubation period goes through and the baby finally or the little chick hatches out of the egg there are miracles in the house today God wants to hatch out of your faith the miracle of deliverance the miracle of peace the miracle of joy the miracle of children the miracle of come on doubling your, your blessing that hatched but it's not going to work if we don't envision it in our life today and see the blessing of the Lord turn to your neighbor right now and say this has got to be for you I'm positive let me sum this up real quickly you remember blind man Barnabas in the Bible I love the story because he was such a heard about Jesus walking by couldn't see him but he heard he was coming and he started crying out, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. The crowd couldn't shut him up. Finally, Jesus heard him, stopped, said, bring him to me. Before he went to see Jesus, he took off his garment and cast it aside. Very symbolic. Because the garment that he wore in those days was used for blind people. In other words, if you're handicapped, they give you a special garment. People would see, you know, you've got a handicap here. You need help. He cast away the very thing that identified the condition that he was in because he didn't picture himself any longer being blind, any longer needing a handout, any longer doing that. He cast that away. And when Jesus brought him to him, Jesus said, what can I do for you? And he says that I might see again. And what happened? He envisioned the way he saw before he lost his sight. And Jesus said, be it unto you according as you believe. Bam! Miracle happened. He saw it then walking. He saw it then when he requested it. And the incubation was complete. 
and the miracle power of God delivered her. Maybe the problem is between one time and the other time you stop seeing it. Amen. When you look in the mirror, do you see yourself losing that weight? Or do you see yourself getting bigger? Maybe big is good. And a lot of power lifters don't look good. I don't care. The point is that how you see yourself is an essential way in which God births the promises and the scriptures that he gives us that comfort us and strengthen us and bring to pass in our life peace and victory and joy. Hallelujah. But now watch this. The Bible doesn't tell us to wait till the COVID vaccine is created. Does it say that? Does it say, hey, don't witness until they come up with a vaccine. Don't go to church until they come up with a vaccine. Don't do God's will until they come. No, it doesn't say that. It says, let your light shine. The Bible says that we are to be believers now, not to put it off. The Bible tells us that now's the time of salvation. Now's the time to tell people about Jesus. Now's the time to witness your faith. Now's the time to do the work of the ministry. Now's the time to believe for the vision. Now's the time, not when the economy's better. Right now, right now, see yourself change. Right now, see your future developing. Right now. And when you do that, God begins to minister to you in a great way. I want to close with one verse. Isaiah 46.10, look at this. This verse shows you the principle. Declaring the end from the beginning. From ancient things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. In other words, you got to see the end result, not at the end, but in the beginning. Don't, don't start out, well, eventually I'll see it. No, see it now. See the end result, just like they saw the end result of the Tower of Babel then, before they were finished. You got to see everything right now in completion in order to start. This is the way God operates. He doesn't see it as he goes. He sees a completed project before it happens. I'll give you some examples. Boston Red Sox legend Ted Williams, one of the greatest hitters of all time. You know what he would do during the week? He would get in front of a mirror, take his bat, and he would practice and see himself hitting that ball or see himself swinging that bat in a way that would bring a home run. He would practice that every day and see it and see it. You know, some of you, all you do is see yourself striking out. You got to see yourself hitting a home run. Start seeing yourself going to the World Series. Every athlete knows this principle. You see the end result in the beginning and then God works through that imagination and records are broke epic things happen in your life hallelujah a young bride to be sees a family sees a husband that will take care of her sees a nice home that they can live in the husband sees a career fulfilled 
having enough money to send his kids to any college in the world. It's something that God honors. But if we let the devil hijack our imagination, think about the things that will never happen in this generation. If we're going to allow all of our fears to determine where we are in life, Satan will be empowered and will become less and less significant. I know what I'm talking about. I know what it's like to see it before you see anything, before you feel anything, before the doctors give you a good report. I know what it's like to see it because I, I remember the doctor telling me there's no cure for what you got, no cure for your voice. There's nothing in medical science can help you. I remember him saying that. As soon as he said it, I start to envision the promises that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I begin to envision the fact that healing is in the atonement. Every disease, everyone, even the ones not recorded in Deuteronomy, says the ones that would come are covered under the cross. They're covered under that, that curse that Jesus delivered us from. And I said, everything's been covered. And I remember envisioning that, seeing that, and dreaming about it, praise God. And standing in faith. And it didn't happen overnight. didn't happen over a week. didn't happen over a month. It happened over five years standing in faith because God's word works and God won't leave you come on he won't leave you but you got to be in faith I know it's like to believe God every week for the budget but God wants us to be a people that is not moved by our fears but moved by our faith Jesus you forgave me Jesus you cleansed me Jesus, you forgave me and made it possible for me to receive your grace and favor. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.